Um, so this Advent series, before I get started, I'd like to just say a special thanks to Life Church, Pastor Craig Rochelle in Oklahoma. Um, just there's just such a giving church. They have a mission mindset. They're based in Oklahoma, but they have churches all over the, the world. And um, they're, they're the ones who kind of, they, we would not look this nice with all this like Christmas music and theme stuff um, if it weren't for them. They're also responsible for the Bible app that we talk about all the time that came out of uh, Life Church. And um, that, that's life-changing, and I'm never going to miss uh, an opportunity to plug. If you want to read the Bible with us, we're reading through the Bible this year. Uh, tinyurl.com forward slash cpcbible22. You can just jump right in. And we're going through the Bible Project um, Bible in a year. So you have like these videos that start off each chapter and they're like, or each book, and then they're also dropped into books in key areas, and it just makes... Makes it makes more so much more sense, especially right now. We're reading through the prophets in the Old Testament, and to be able to just keep pointing all these guys were talking about a coming Messiah, and that segues into we're doing our Advent series. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard Advent before, it's a word that's commonly used. Um, you probably even heard it used like the advent of the internet, and it really just means that it means uh, the arrival of something. Um, but the church has grabbed that because. We started out um, speaking Latin, and it's a Latin word, and we use it specifically for uh, the coming of our king, right? God coming to earth, and um, did that work? <laughs> Thanks, Samuel. <clears throat> so, and it kind of comes in stages because we look at the Old Testament, and they were waiting for the arrival of God to come as the Messiah to bring salvation. Um, but then after Jesus came, now we're in the waiting for the arrival of our King when Christ comes again. So the, this time of year has so much meaning. Um, like Robin said, I mean, we talk about baby Jesus, but he came to die, and he came as God. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this series, um, starting with this verse, and we'll kind of flesh it out much more in four weeks, right before Christmas. But in Matthew 1.23, we read, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So now you guys know what that word means in all the songs that we sing, God with us. This is the most important truth that you will ever find in any book, that God came to earth as a man. We call it the incarnation. That's the theological term for it. But because that's true, it's life-changing for everyone, regardless of whether you believe that it actually happened. Because God came to earth as a man. And so this, this kind of sermon series that we're going to be going through, we're going to look at what does that look like to say that God is with us? Um, what does that look like? And we'll specifically look at what does that look like uh, when we're in the valley? What does it look like that God is with us when we're in the wilderness? Um, what does it look like when God is with us in a storm? And then on week four, we'll look about We'll look at what, it, what does it look, to, look like that God is with us in our waiting. Um, so this week we're going to be talking about in a valley. And I think it's important for us to, to recognize that like, as a Christian, 
it's easy to feel like God is with us when things are going great, right? When you get that promotion, it's easy to feel like God is with us. Um, when your kids go to bed on time, you're like, oh, God is with me this evening. Um, it's easy to get that sense of presence um, when we're on a mountain, but it's not necessarily true when we're in a valley, when we're in a low place. It's more difficult to sense his presence from down there at the bottom. When you're hurting, when you feel alone, when you're worried, when you're angry, when you're depressed, when you're anxious, sometimes it's hard to feel that presence. And so today we're going to be looking at this truth. While we may enjoy God on the mountaintops, we get to know him intimately in the valleys. And I think what's, what's kind of interesting about that is thinking about valley times in my life, there's, there's not like a ton that stand out where I just felt like my whole life was in a valley. But I think oftentimes a part of our life is in a valley. Maybe arguably at all times, part of our life is in a valley. There might be mountaintop moments, but there's some pocket there that that just kind of pulls us down into, into that valley um, area. I've got an example. Um, a, about 10 years ago, this time of year, end of November, beginning of December, um, Molly and I got to have our anatomy ultrasound for Maisie, our first daughter. And that was a life-changing moment. I remember in, I think it was September, when Molly brought me um, the positive pregnancy test, and she said, are you ready for this? And I was like, I guess. And she's like, no, are you ready for the next 25 years? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And it was exciting. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's some anxiety there, but it was, it was all exciting. It was exciting to be able to share that news. Um, it was exciting to, you know, have the, the first Walsh grandchild, um, because I beat my brothers to it. Um, it was all really exciting. And then we had the anatomy ultrasound. We started getting ready for a gender reveal party. And we got a phone call from the doctor um, that they found a CPAM, which is a hardening of the lung tissue in the fetus in utero, so in, in baby Maisie, in the womb, and um, that she was going to have to have surgery to remove it when she was born. And just immediately, just, it just pulls you down to that valley. And you wonder, like, and I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to downplay other people's news because I understand that the news that we got is significantly better than news a lot of other parents get. But in that moment, it took, took me from the mountaintop immediately down into a valley. So we can have these like mountaintop moments in our life and then little pockets of valley where it's hard to feel God in that moment. And so today we're going to look at while we may enjoy God on the mountaintop, we get to know him intimately in the valley. Just to kind of pick that apart a little bit, um, you've probably seen this in relationships in your life. Um, it's easy to, to just have fun, right? To, to always meet somebody um, out to dinner or at coffee, or, and your relationship with that person just stays surface level. But when you go through something difficult, when you walk with that person through a valley, you know them a little bit better. 
And the same thing is true with God. Like he pours blessings on us, no doubt. Every good and perfect thing comes from him. But it's only when we notice his presence with us in the valley that we really understand the purpose and love that he has for us. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look in Psalms um, at a valley, a valley passage, and see what that can teach us. And this is um, Psalms 84. We read it through our Bible reading because we've already read through Psalms. And I'll tell you, it's a popular Psalm, Psalm 84. A lot of it is turned into music. We've got, um, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. You might have heard that in a song. Uh, my soul yearns, even fates for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Uh, better is one day in your court than a thousand elsewhere. Especially if you remember Psalms back from the 90s. Like these were popular themes. Um, but right smack dab in the middle is a section that I'm just going to be honest with you guys, I just read over it, didn't even notice it, noticed all the song lyrics, oh, that's cool, Psalms 84, and just read over this part, but we're going to read it together today, Psalm 84, 5 through 7, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. So the Valley of Baca is not really mentioned much in Scripture. It's like here, that's it. And so we kind of have to use some contextual clues to understand what the meaning of this valley is. So Baca sounds very similar to um, a tree that grows in that area just outside of Jerusalem, and that tree um, sweats or leaks sap. And so that valley is called a Valley of Weeping. Or, or the valley of mourning, the valley of loss. That tree also can only grow in a very dry, arid environment. So besides just being sad to look at this tree, everything else is kind of uninhabitable too. And so the, the writer of this psalm is using this picture of this valley that people would be used to walking through on their way to, to Jerusalem to illustrate some points. Specifically, while we may enjoy God on the mountaintops, we get to know him intimately in the valleys. So verse five starts with, blessed are those whose strength is found in you, God. These valleys were not a safe place to be. They were the passage to Jerusalem, but they were, they were, this was like out in the middle of nowhere. You couldn't like take an Uber from your home to Jerusalem. So if you were visiting Jerusalem, you had to pass through these valleys. There were thieves and robbers. We know the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, there were wild animals. It wasn't a safe place to be. And so he's saying right here, when you reach the end of your strength, and then you realize you have to rely on God, you're blessed. And I'm not going to go into blessed because we just finished that series. We get another blessed right here. I'm going to give you guys an example of reaching the end of your strength. Um, whenever I go shopping or Molly goes shopping and we come home, the kids love to help us unload the car. And so they're running in and out of the house, grabbing items, and um, they, they all prefer to carry the light stuff in, right? And so it kind of works its way up from the lightest to the heaviest stuff until it's only some heavier items left, um, like maybe a case of waters. Uh, but baby Katie, my littlest, she's not my youngest, but she is my littlest, um, she still wants to help. And so she reaches over the car to grab 
the case of waters. Everybody else's strength has worn out. They've reached the end of their strength. But baby Katie reaches over and tries to grab those waters, and she realizes that she can't do it on her own. And so what does she do? She comes and she finds me, and I come out to the car, and I lift the waters, and she keeps her little hand on the waters all the way into the house <laughs> because she realizes there's a power greater than hers, and when her strength doesn't cut it, she has someone to rely on. It's our God that we rely on when we reach the end of our strength because that's what it means that he's with us. And it's, his, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. We read that in scripture. Um, and, and it's a real strength, right? This is, I know that Psalms is poetry, but what they're talking about here is reality, that when we reach the end of ours, there is something beyond. And we only have that hope as believers, right? While we may enjoy God on the mountaintop, we get to know him intimately in the valley. In verse 6, we read, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of spring. Isn't it nice to know that that's not where you live, right? Nobody lived in the valley of loss, in the valley of weeping. As we pass through the valley of Baca, and we find out at the end of the passage where they're heading, they're headed to Zion, they're, they're going to Jerusalem on pilgrimage to the temple, because this whole passage is how much they want to be with God, right? Better is one day in your courts with you than a thousand elsewhere. And so they're just passing through. So isn't it nice to know that when life gets tough, that's not where we have to stay, because we're just passing through that hard time. When we're in a valley, we're not trapped in that valley. We're just passing through. David writes about it in Psalms 23. He says, and you guys probably might remember this, even though I walk through the darkest valley, the King James Version says, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. We're just passing through. And sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you just want out, right? And you might have even prayed that before when you're sitting in the valley and you say, God, just get me out of this. I, I can't deal with this child anymore. I don't know how I'm going to dig myself out of this financial rut. God, please get me out of this valley. And we have to understand that God's going to take us through that valley, there's something important about where we are, and he's going to take us through. But we can take, we can take solace in that. We can, we can look forward to the fact that we, we don't live in the Valley of Baca. There are no homes in the Valley of Baca. We're just passing through. The road to Jerusalem, right, the city of peace, has to pass through the valley. And the that same phrase, it says, as we pass through the Valley of Baca, we make it a place of springs. This is an arid, dry place. You can't bring all the water that you need for the trip, and so you have to look for it along the way. And isn't it cool that if you dig a well, you don't fill it with water, but that you find water in the valley. And so God is waiting for us, right? As he's bringing us through the valley, he's waiting to refresh us along the way. While we may enjoy God on the mountaintops, we get to know him intimately in the valley.
And then finally, this tr- the chapter or the passage ends. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. <clears throat> so that be- it begins with, right, God is our strength in the valley. And it ends with the fact that we're going to go from strength to strength to strength. We're going to have valley moments in our life. We're going to have moments where we we run out of ability, right? We reach the end. We don't know what else to do. Um, We want to give up. But we know that we can pass from strength to strength to strength because God is always with us. It reminds me of the story of Job. If you look back at the very beginning of Scripture, it's our oldest manuscript, we have this story of of this man who lost everything. Um, And it starts with him saying, right, when he loses his family, when he loses his home, when he loses his wealth, he realizes, like, I came into this world with nothing. I'm leaving this world with nothing. So I'm just going to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. And then even more terrible stuff happens to the poor guy. He loses even more. And then the rest of the book is this back and forth between Job and his friends and his wife. The struggle of how can God let bad things happen to good people? Job was a, was a righteous man. How does God let bad things happen to him? And, and you, you struggle with it through the whole book, right? You have these different friends who come forward and they give their opinions about how it's all just random. The universe doesn't care. You know, good things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. It doesn't really mean anything. Job's wife says, curse God and die, which is probably the worst relationship advice a wife has ever given. And then finally, Job just kind of asks God. And God's reply is the last few uh, chapters of Job. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. Because God just rips it, rips Job. It's just, who do you think you are, Job? To to accuse me, to ask me, where were you when I created the world? You know, do you know um, what wakes the animals from their sleep and causes them to go out and prowl for food? Like, do you know um, where the rains are stored up to rain on the just and the unjust? Like, he just goes through this long list. I mean, I'm talking chapters of Job. How dare you? And it ends with Job saying, well, I realize I I speak as someone who doesn't have understanding, right? I don't, I'm a human. I have no idea what God's got going on. I think the coolest part of that story is that God responded to Job. He didn't need to, right? Job is just one of all of us. God didn't need to respond to Job. But he bent down from heaven and spoke to Job. While we may enjoy God on the mountaintops, we get to know him intimately. We get to know him fully in the valleys. We read the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what does that mean? It means that when you're passing through a valley of weeping, a valley of loss, when you're feeling all alone and abandoned, and anxious and depressed and angry. When you're at the end of your strength and you don't have another 
ounce to give. God's with us. We can rely on his strength. We can count on him to provide spiritual refreshing. And all he's doing is he's just waiting for us to turn. We feel like we're alone in that valley, but we aren't. Because we can cast our cares on him because he cares for us. From strength to strength, from valley to valley, God is with us. While we may enjoy God on the mountaintops, we get to know him intimately in the valley. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the person of Christ and what it means that you came to earth as a human. We give you the glory for the story that you're telling. And we thank you so much that you're with us in the valley. In Jesus' name, amen.